6, Acts chapter number 6. I got several verses of scripture here I'd like to read. Acts chapter 6 and verses 7 through 11. And then I also want to jump over to chapter 7. And uh, for the sake of your standing, why don't we just go right to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. And we'll come back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 54 and, uh, and reading. Acts 7 and 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. This is concerning Stephen after having ministered to them in 52 verses beginning at Abraham. And at his conclusion of this message, the Bible said when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, my, 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 he being full of the Holy Ghost. I didn't come to preach about that, but I'd just about like to right now. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus. My, my, we could preach about the oneness of God. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, saying, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, or he died. In chapter 8 and verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice come out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Praise the Lord. I want to preach as a title, if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to preach about growing pains. Growing pains. Can we lift our hands and our voices and our hearts unto the Lord? And let's ask the good Lord to help us. God, we thank you for the touch of your spirit that we feel in this place tonight. I thank you for your anointing that is upon this place, that is in this church. I feel your presence. I feel your spirit. I pray tonight, let my mouth be your mouth. Let my hands be your hands. Minister to this people from your divine word. Give us a receptivity to the spirit and to the word. I pray anoint our hearts to receive and anoint my lips to speak, God. Give us an outpouring and a 
demonstration of your great spirit. Show us, we beseech thee, thy glory. In the wonderful and lovely name of Jesus, we pray. Would you give God a hand praise before you're seated tonight? Praise God, you can be seated. I've only been pastoring eight months or so, so I still got some evangelists in me. Sometimes <laughs> even at the home church, I have a hard time slowing down, but occasionally I'll do that on Sunday morning. But uh, I still have a little bit of that, that little bit of evangelist in me, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to obey the Holy Ghost here tonight. In Acts chapter 6, going back to Acts chapter 6 and verse number 7, the scripture says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then said the high priest unto Stephen, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt at Quran. Looking at these verses of scriptures, I begin to understand something that was perhaps old to you, but somewhat fresh to me as I studied these verses of scriptures. It was the fact that here, here up to this point, the gospel of Jesus Christ had not yet, had not yet went beyond the borders of Jerusalem. Looking back at the book of Luke chapter 24, and I believe it's around verse 49, he said, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning, beginning, beginning at Jerusalem. He said beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 1 and 8 said ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. It was in Jerusalem where they went into the upper room in Acts chapter 2 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared on them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance and there was dwelling at 
Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven and when this was noised abroad what was noised abroad what had begun in Jerusalem in Luke 24 he said it was going to begin at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 3 you will find that the first notable miracle that is recorded in this New Testament church was the lame man at the gate of the temple called beautiful it was a Jerusalem thing it was a Jerusalem thing Acts chapter 4 and verse 16 they said indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem Jerusalem had the gospel Jerusalem had miracles Jerusalem had signs and wonders Jerusalem had a visitation from God In Acts chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible said that the multitudes began to come to Jerusalem out of every city. Why? Because there was great things that was happening in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5 and 28, they said, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Hey, I pray to God that before it's over with, it will be said, you have filled Olathe, Kansas with your doctrine. You have filled Marion, Illinois with your doctrine. I pray before it's over that our cities and our families and our co-workers will find out what we believe and hear about this great gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, I read to you the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. It looks like Jerusalem had a monopoly on this. It looks like Jerusalem was hawking up all the blessings. It looks like Jerusalem was having revival and nowhere else was having revival. It looks like Jerusalem was having a move of God while all the other cities and other nations about continued to mope and grope in their deception and in their old ways. Hallelujah. Jerusalem, the first seven, seven chapters of the book of Acts, the gospel of Jesus Christ appears to have gone no further than just in Jerusalem. I chose this time of growing pains for I remember as a young man growing up, I had a sister especially that was prone to feel growing pains as a young lady growing up. I remember uh, even in the middle of the night, my sister would cry as she would have growing pains. And uh, it seems like when God began to deal with me concerning this message and these things that he's brought to my attention, I began to look up growing pains to try to somehow maybe include this into this particular message. As I began to study a little bit on growing pains, there wasn't a whole lot to find out other than growing pains has no cure. You just got to grow out of it. Growing pains don't have a cure. You just got to grow out of it. You are in the stage of maturing. You are in a stage of, 
of going from one place, one phase to the next phase. It was just temporal. It was not pains that last forever. It was only pains that was preparing you for the next phase of life that lied ahead of you. They said there was no treatment for it. You could take painkillers, but it don't solve the problem. In fact, the effect of the matter is that those who are active, who are active, running and jumping and climbing are the ones that's most prone to growing pains. Quite interesting to find out that people that were inactive didn't have to deal with growing pains like somebody that's active. Hey, I found out to be true in the church that if you're going to grow, you're going to have some pains. If you're going to grow, you're going to have some disappointments. If you're going to grow, there's going to be some adversity. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. So the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, the gospel of Jesus Christ, from what appears in scripture, did not go any further than just Jerusalem. But when persecution came unto the church, as it began with the stoning of Stephen, and then Saul, making havoc of the church, began to persecute the people of the living God. Do you know what the persecution did? It drove them outside the borders of Jerusalem. It drove them outside the borders. One preacher went this way. One, one disciple went that way. And one went another way. You know why? Because God said, I want it to begin at Jerusalem but I don't want it to stop in Jerusalem I come to tell you God don't want you to stop where you started I said God don't want you to stop where you have started hallelujah. praise God hallelujah seven chapters it went to one place and that one place was called Jerusalem Chapter 8 and chapter 9. As I look very closely, here's what I found out. I went and come out of Jerusalem after persecution. And it went to Cilicia. And it went to Syria. And it went to all of Judea. And it went to Galilee. And it went to Samaria. And then it went to Ethiopia. Cities of these places like Azotus, Caesarea, Damascus, Tarsus, Ladal, Saran, and Joppa. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, when pressure and persecution came to the people of God, the church really started growing then. I said the church started growing. If you've got opposition, be, be encouraged. You're in a growing process. You're in the place where God is fixing to bring you into the next phase. I wrote down a little something I feel like God prompted in my mind. I think it was the Lord. I don't know, but I wrote it down. To silence the church, the enemy tried. But to his surprise, God multiplied. To silence the church, the enemy tried. But to his surprise, God multiplied. To stop the church, the enemy's going to try. But to his surprise, 
God's going to multiply. I said God's going to multiply. The church is going to grow. The church is going to grow. The church is going to grow. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Would somebody give God a hand praise right now? You can be seated. Hallelujah. The repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Among all nations, beginning at this little old place right here called Jerusalem. My, we're having revival in Jerusalem. Great things are happening. And all of a sudden, here comes the pressure. Here comes the persecution. And you know what? When the devil tried to throw a rug on the fire to put it out, it popped out every corner. I said when the devil took a blanket to try to smother the fire, the fire popped out in Damascus. It popped out in Caesarea. It popped out in Azotus. I want to tell you every time the devil tries to stop the church, it's going to backfire. I said it's going to backfire. I said it's going to backfire. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not preaching to you something that I don't know at least a little bit about. Hallelujah. I've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years preaching the gospel for 20 years. And I've learned a valuable lesson. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Pressure comes for a while, but victory is going to be the outcome. Opposition will come for a while, but it's only temporary. And there is a blessing. There is a revival. There is a move of God on the other side of this. Hallelujah. I got this strong suspicion that if the devil would have known the end of Job's trial. He'd have left him alone. I've got this feeling that if the devil knew the end of Job's trial, he'd have kept his mouth shut in heaven when the Lord brought up his servant Job. And I got this feeling if the devil knew the outcome of what somebody might be facing tonight, he'd probably leave you alone. But I come to tell you tonight, it's just growing pains. It's just growing pains. It's just a part of the process. It's a part of the plan of God. Oh, I wish somebody praised God right now. To silence the church, the enemy has tried, but to his surprise, God has multiplied. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know what it's like multiple times to be in particular places. Sometimes revival starts at the beginning and we have it all the way through. But there has been times, places we've been 
where it was a fight tooth and toenail just to get a little breakthrough. And you know what? As an evangelist, I know what the pressure is. I know what the opposition is. And I know what the adversary's got up his sleeve. And the old flesh wants to say, why don't you just kick back and take it easy? Maybe the next revival will be better than this. And I decided if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. You can't afford to give the devil one minute. You can't afford to give the devil one inch. If you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. We've got to come against our adversary with boldness, with faith, and with confidence that God's got something he must be wanting to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God does not want us to stop where we started. Hallelujah. God does not want us to stop where we have started. Do you know that the gospel is being preached in America, Africa, and all these other places? Why? Because God said, we're not going to quarantine this just for Jerusalem. And in order for it to spread, we got a little pressure coming. Hallelujah. Praise God. Weightlifters have this old saying, no pain, no gain. Hallelujah. I found it living for God. Sometimes it feels about that way. No pain, no gain. When you feel like you're the furthest from it, sometimes you're actually the closest to it. Can I say that again? Sometimes when you feel like you're the furthest from it, you actually sometimes are the closest to it. When it seems like it ain't never going to happen, sometimes you're on the verge. Sometimes you're on the brink. Sometimes you're right there. Don't let the devil cheat you out of what God's got for you. Hallelujah. I'd like to look right now to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 8. Exodus 1 and 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. I like that. Even the enemy was convinced that God's children were more and stronger than what they were. I'm going to tell you something the devil knows, but he don't want you to know is if you're born again, you've got more power than the devil has ever had and that the devil will ever have. He don't want you to know that. He wants to keep you in your fear. He wants to keep you in your condemnation. He wants to keep you in your time of depression. But I come to tell you, greater is he that's within you than he that is in the world. It was kind of like this. 
This is secretive. <laughs> They're more and mightier than we are. We ain't going to tell them that. <laughs> We're not going to tell them that. We got to get a strategy. We got to get a plan here. We got to figure out some way to destroy and to pull down their confidence. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I'm about to get on another, another tangent here. I, I want to tell you that, young people, let me tell you something. And I might come back and preach this some more later. But I want to tell you, the devil don't want you to know that you've got power over the temptations that come against you as a young person. The devil don't want you to realize that you don't have to give in to fornication. You don't have to look at pornography. You ain't got to lust after the flesh. You can overcome temptation because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. The enemy's going to bring his temptation and he's going to bring some opportunities and he's going to try to convince you you ain't got the power to say no. You ain't got what it takes to resist. But I found out as a young man and I'm going to be honest, and I'm getting on another message here right now, but I'm going to be honest. When I was just a teenage boy, I dealt with fear that one day I would lose my testimony. I wanted to please God. I had the fear of God in my heart. I was raised to love and to fear God. And there came a time as a young teenage boy, I dealt with the fear that someday that I would lose my testimony. And I dealt with that for many days. But the Lord had given me a scripture. It's in the book of Jude. I think it's somewhere around verse 22 or 24. He said now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know what God showed me through the word? You don't have to fall. You don't have to give in. You don't have to fail. You don't have to lose your testimony. You can retain it all the way hallelujah behold the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we they're more and they're mightier enemy you're actually admitting that yes but not in front of them Yes, I admit that, but not in front of them. But I want to tell you, your adversary, the devil, he admits, not to you, but he admits, you've got power over him through the blood and the name and the spirit of God. Hallelujah. I said through the blood and through the name and through the spirit, you have power over your adversary. Hallelujah. Let me read verse 10. They said, come on. Come on. Let us deal wisely with them. Let's use a strategy. Let's, let's do something strategic that will prevent them from this knowledge we have. 
we've got the knowledge they're stronger than us, but we've got to somehow convince them that they're not. In other words, let's convince them of a lie that they are not as strong as we are. You're not necessarily the devil. He'll lie to you, and he'll lie to you, and he'll lie to you. But I come to tell you, there ain't enough devils in hell that can make you backslide, that can make you commit fornication, that can make you look at pornography, that can make you fall into sin and adultery. There ain't enough devils in hell that can make you fail God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God. I feel like in this place there's somebody been battling. I feel like tonight there's somebody been facing some real trying tempting times but I'm encouraging you in the fear of God you can make it you can overcome you can resist you can do it the enemy's trying to tear down your confidence the enemy's trying to tear down your faith the enemy's trying to convince you you can't but God said tonight yes you can yes you can yes you can oh yes you can oh yes you can He said, come on, let us deal wisely with them. Why? Least they multiply. Our strategy is going to be for one reason, to prevent them from multiplying. And it come to pass that when they're followed out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Verse 11. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities. Python and Ramses. But here's the verse that I really want to point out. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Pharaoh, why are you doing this? So they don't multiply. And you know what? Their mothers are giving birth to twins. <laughs> Some of them are triplets, probably. I don't know. I, the Bible said the more afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Women were having babies that probably never had babies before. <sighs> Hallelujah. And here comes one of the right-hand men of Pharaoh. Pharaoh. <laughs> yes. Servant. You know you told us to flick them so they don't multiply and grow? Yeah, it ain't working. 
It ain't working. What do you mean? They're having more babies than they've ever had before. What are you talking about? The more we try to stop them, the more babies they're having. Saints of God, that's the same way it is in the church. The more the devil tries to stop us and the more the devil tries to afflict us, the more we're prone to grow. The more we're prone to have a revival. Praise God. Go ahead, Pharaoh. Go ahead, Pharaoh. Try your little stunts. You'll find out whose side they're on. You'll find out who's in control. It ain't Pharaoh. Pharaoh might be the king of the land, but he's not the king of kings. And he's not the Lord of Lords. And he didn't create their bodies. And he doesn't make new life. Only God, only God, only God to do that. Hallelujah. And the Bible said in the latter part of verse 12. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Grief backfired on the enemy. The enemy said, let's cause a little grief. God says, okay, go ahead. You know who was grieving before it was over? It was the one that tried to cause the grief. I've learned before that when the devil tries to bring grief, if I'll hold on to God, if I'll be faithful, you know who's going to end up grieving? It's my adversary that tried to cause me grief. You can reverse this grief if you'll have faith in God. Verse 13, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women... And see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. You know what Pharaoh's fear was? Pharaoh's fear was the fact that them little boys are future warriors. Now let me say this. I know... Military system in Bible times were not the same as it is in 2016. Military in Bible times, it, it consisted only of men. And so Pharaoh was saying, we're not afraid of those who are not going to be warriors. They're not a threat to this kingdom. 
let me stop and say I'm using this as an analogy women and men alike in the kingdom of God are warriors that's why he fights both but at the same time that's why we are a threat to him because everybody that's born again in the church of the living God of this apostolic way they're future warriors and they become a threat to the kingdom of hell Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? Verse 19, and the midwives said unto Pharaoh because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. Can I stop and say there's still a difference. Can I stop and preach to you? And I know I don't have to in this church, but just for the sake of the message, let me preach to you. We're still not like the Egyptians. There's still a distinction. There's still a difference. We are still separate. We have come out from among them, and we become separate, saith the Lord. If you're glad to be separate, would you give God a praise? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Behold, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. Here's one of the differences. For they are lively. What's the difference? Number one, they are lively. That's the first notable difference that we saw was that it's not dead, it's not boring, it's not twice dead and plucked up by the roots, but it's alive. Saints of the Most High God, I'm glad I'm a part of a church that's still alive and well. I'm not a, I'm not a part of a church that's like a funeral home. I'm not a part of a church that's dead and dry and boring, but I'm glad to be a part of a church that is alive and well and God's the father of this church saints of God I know in every service we're not running the aisles every service we're not leaping for joy maybe, maybe we do I think it's appropriate but we may not do it in every service. But don't ever leave, don't ever lose that enthusiasm that God put in you when you became a new convert. Don't ever lose the excitement of that born again experience that took place in your life the night you got the Holy Ghost and you was born again of water and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You can be seated. 
let me re- let me repeat what I said earlier. If you're not enjoying your Holy Ghost, you ain't got enough of it. I said last night at the home church, I've had the Holy Ghost 30 years. And I'm enjoying it more now than I did 30 years ago when I first got the Holy Ghost. And that's the God's honest truth. I enjoy living for God more now. I'm enjoying my Holy Ghost more now than I did 30 years ago. You know one reason why? I'm finding out more of what I got. I'm learning more about what I really got when I got the Holy Ghost. I bought a a new pickup truck in Indiana some years ago. I bought that new truck. And on my way home, I started finding out things that I didn't know came with the truck when I bought it. I didn't intentionally buy what was coming with it. But it was just a part of the package. I'm just going to be honest, as a little 10-year-old boy, 9, 10 years old, when I got so hungry for the Holy Ghost, one of the main reasons why I want the Holy Ghost, I didn't want to go to hell. The main thing, I just wanted to be saved. But here I am 30 years later, and I'm finding out more and more of what I got when I got the Holy Ghost. I'm finding out more about this Holy Ghost. 30 years later, it seems like we continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we indulge into this more and more. They said, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. The scripture says, for they are lively. They are enthusiastic. They are excited. Now, you can't really appreciate that until you stop and think what's really going on. They are facing the most difficult, afflicting, trying time they have ever faced in their life. They are facing more opposition than they had ever faced before. But one thing for sure, they haven't lost their enthusiasm. They still haven't lost their excitement. Hey, I want to tell you, don't let the devil steal your enthusiasm. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your liveliness. There was a man many years ago out in Illinois, Grimsby area, where I got the Holy Ghost. This man... If it had a bad day and things wasn't going just right, it was pretty obvious. As he sat toward the back, he wasn't going to run the aisles. He wasn't going to leap for joy. He wasn't going to offer up a sacrifice of praise because things wasn't going real good. 
I want to tell you, if you can only love and praise God on a conditional basis, you're a little too selfish. If you can only praise God when things are going just right, you might be a little selfish. Let me tell you what the Bible said. Let us therefore offer unto him the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Brother, I believe that one of the reasons why they were lively was the fact that a new baby's about to be born. Too many of our churches in America, I say America because that's the only place I've been. Too many of our churches in America have lost the excitement of new babies in the church. Too many of our churches have lost the enthusiasm and the excitement of new babies being born. I tell you what God wants to do. He wants to put some new babies in this church, some new babies in our church, some new babies in his church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mother, why are you so excited? I'm fixing to have a baby. I'm fixing to have a baby. You shouldn't be so excited. You guys are facing all this affliction and torment and trouble and opposition. And you're acting like you ain't got a problem. And you're acting like you ain't got a problem. And you're acting like you ain't got a problem. You're acting like you ain't even having any affliction. You're acting like you ain't got no trouble. You know what you're dealing with. I know what I'm dealing with. But look what the Lord has done. He's bringing new growth. He's bringing new growth. You know what I feel like God wants to do in this church? Bring some new growth. Some new babies. Some brand new converts. I think God wants to bring some brand new people into this church. Hallelujah. For they are lively. Now let me say this in closing. And are delivered ere the midwives come into them. In other words, they have babies easily. Did you catch that? They said we don't even have to be in there. And they're having babies so easy. It's almost like it's not a struggle. Well, it's not such a struggle to have babies because they're dealing with the struggle that the adversary has brought to them. You know what I've learned? It's hard to pray people through in a church that's dead and dry and boring and everybody's excited about going home and leaving. But I want to tell you what I believe God wants to do is restore in this last day an enthusiasm about new babies, about new converts. You might be facing some growing pains, but God's got some new babies he wants to add. 
Oh, praise God. To silence the church, the enemy tried. But to his surprise, God multiplied. Hallelujah. Brother, I'm excited about what God's doing in your ministry in Africa and what he's doing in your church. She I prayed over there and wept as I began to feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. That I believe God's got some great things in store that he wants to do through this man of God continually. And in this church right here, saints of God, be encouraged. You've got some pain, be encouraged. It's only growing pains because God's got a plan. Can somebody lift your hands and your voices to the Lord right now? Hallelujah! Come on, I think God wants to add some new babies. God said it's only growing pains for somebody. Somebody be encouraged. It's only growing pains. It's only temporal. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Weeping may endure for a while. Pressure will endure for a while, but it's only temporary. Don't lose your enthusiasm. Don't lose your excitement. Don't lose your joy because it's only for a while that the opposition will stay with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Just recently at the home church, ain't been there but eight months. And three days after I took the church, the old adversary, and I've not told anybody about it, I haven't told anybody of what actually happened. But the old devil tried to convince me that Marin is my city. And you know what? In our installation service, a man of God come forward and said, God said he has given you the city. He knew nothing about what the adversary had just previously tried to convince me of. You know what we had? We had a good move of God for a while. And then we started facing some growing pains. One of the ladies, her apartment burned. They went over the water hose, soaked everything that she had. Another one had an accident. Another one lost, lost their job somewhere near about that time. Another one had four vehicles and every one of them broke down. He had problems on the job. It seemed like everything he touched fell apart. We started feeling the opposition ourselves. But you know what we did? 
We just kept on praying. We just kept on fasting. We just kept on believing God. And you know what we've been feeling lately? We've been feeling a breakthrough. We've been having a touch of God. I want to tell you tonight, you might endure for a while. Your affliction, but victory's on the way. Revival's on the way. The touch of God is going to be revealed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we one more time lift our hands and our voices to the Lord? In the name of Jesus. Why don't you grab somebody's hand beside you right now and lift it up to the air. And let's have a word of prayer together. As a body of Christ. As a collective body of Christ, let's pray for one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for one another right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.